It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. Tell me something good. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to yet another installment of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast based on the book, The 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders, available in hardcover, paperback, audiobook as well. We tape on this Monday. We're already to number 48. Ken Levicka producing this podcast says that's Jimmy Johnson to him. A lot of 48s, but yesterday, uh, how about that finish in Miami? Pretty wild. The miracle in Miami. <laughs> you know, it's... Uh... You know, why doesn't that ever happen with the Jets? Uh, <laughs> it always happens at the expense of the Jets. Yes. It never right. happens to them. Exactly Marie, it's one, you know, as far as Dolphins football, got to be in the top three or four most memorable. Marino, the fake spike, remember, against your Jets? That, uh, uh, that one that yes. late was a yes. Thanksgiving weekend yes. game. Another one of those. Speaking of sports, our guest today, kind of synonymous with sports. So uh, my friend Brandon, who I was uh, fortunate enough to meet a couple years back, he's... Um, He's a special guy. He um, is competitive. He's innovative. Uh, he's certainly, you know, somebody I'm thrilled to have in my life and thrilled to have on the show today because he is the um, author of a brand new book, Living on Purpose. Welcome, Mr. Brandon Steiner. Keep going with that introduction. I'm liking that, man. Not, not bad, huh? You're, you're not, the dude. Yeah, I, don't want, I don't want that then. I think we can end on that note. Not, not bad. You and know, thank you for coming. You, you know a little something about sports. You know a little something about memorabilia. That ball yesterday in Miami, Kenyon Drake threw, launched that into the crowd yeah. and then told Lebitard Show today because I wish I had it back. Wow. I should have held on to it. That might you be think? worth might be worth a couple of bucks on the free market. Somebody'll sell it back yeah. to him. Are you kidding? Yeah, nobody's yeah, that was a mistake. Plus, you know, the hard part about the ball is which the NFL hasn't quite got it all together yet, is they don't have chips in the ball to right. really determine right. what that, you know, you'd have to really, they're switching the ball so often mm-hmm. that you'd have to, you know, let that out of sight. You know, there may not be a marking on that ball that would showcase that that be in the ball. And as soon as he threw it up there, yeah. I was like, oh, that's a mistake. How about that? <laughs> how about that? That's how sense. messed up I am. Like, yeah. That's how my head is. Like Everybody's going crazy. I'm like, don't throw the ball up in the stands. No, 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 no. Well, that's well, a let's, no, no. Let's remind you. need my... to catch that out, man. Yeah, you, you think the same way I think, and apparently so did today Kenyon Drake, who admitted as soon as he let it go, he thought, I wish I had that back. Well, let's remind the audience that yeah. you are the guy who crafted actual selling of the dirt. That was in Yankee Stadium, the bases, all of the cool stuff that, uh, you know, Steiner Sports yep. is famous for um, when people can really take a piece of something that happened on the field. It's, you know, the grass, the dirt. Um, I, every time I come visit you, I am overwhelmed at your innovation in the space. Well, thank you. I'm enjoying it. I'm always trying to be innovative, bring people closer to the game, and it's been fun. I mean, I think that, I, you know, lately I've been thinking a lot about, like, where – this comes from, I think success could be a really positive thing, you know, in selling. I know you're a master of selling, but, and I've been thinking a lot about this and that success in selling could be a real, really great thing, momentum, but it can also be a deterrent. Because a lot of times what happens is you have some success and we're extraordinary and really where something great comes is when you take that success and you just, you're not willing to stop and you keep going further. 
Because you think you've got something good, like you've got a customer who's buying from you, let's say, and you think you're good. But are you really good? Like, how do you know you're really good? You've got to keep going, make believe like you don't have that customer at all. After you've already gotten the customer, you've got to make believe like you don't have the game within that game, and then you realize you only got a third of the business. Or you realize that your idea was good, but you got a better idea because you just keep brainstorming, thinking the way you were thinking when you were trying to get the customer. And that's what happens. People, the worst thing is good job, you know, that a boy, or, you know, that's great. It's like that, 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 kind, of, that kind of stuff could be a, a boost or it could be a, almost a momentum stopper. You know, you go celebrate after you have a success. I stay at my desk, and I don't want to leave because I feel like I'm hot, and I feel like I, I can maybe add a zero onto that sale. Mm. You know, what's and, interesting um, is that when I talk to... That's where, the, that's where these ideas come from. I, I talk to other salespeople, and I talk to leaders like yourself, and unless you have a process that allows you to repeat that success, you know, how successful is a one-shot, you know, so... You can get lucky once. Right, Anyone can exactly, get lucky one right. time. You've got to be able to repeat it. And, you know, I look at a guy like Nick Saban, who continually delivers yeah. winning, you know, and, and so, you know... You do it once, great. You do it twice, unbelievable. Third time's a trend. Holy cow. You know, and and you've done that certainly with, you know, it's not just the signature on a ball anymore. Well, you know, it's funny about the signature on the ball. And, and, you know, I I remember the inventory guy coming in my office and going, you know, we got a problem. We're overstocked in balls. So immediately I said, which is always the truth, we got balls. (laughs) Which was the name of your first book? And we we started laughing, but the the way the book came about, that was my mother's favorite line, but that was a billboard and a whole promotion with T-shirts and ads that said, we got balls. And it was a cute idea, and and it worked. It was just the outright truth, but it was our first idea. But then my inventory guy came back and said, look, we're selling a lot of baseballs, but, you know, we're overstocked in footballs and basketballs and all that. I said, you know, we got big balls. And, you know, we ran with that. But, you know, what's funny, even funnier about that is that that was, still wasn't my best idea because I started thinking, you know, you've got to have a place to put your balls. All these balls were selling. Where are people putting these balls? And that was, a, that was the third billboard on the highways. We got balls, we got big balls, and we got a really good place to put your balls. Mm. And, you know, everybody needs a good place to put their balls, and that, that's a very important <laughs> thing, to have a good place to put your balls. And those were the cases. And to this day, 20 years later, our number one selling item is not the balls. But it's the case. It's the place no we put our balls. Yeah, I believe yeah. it. Right. It's the best margin item, too. And customers are very grateful because we, we put a lot of work and time into creating all kinds of different cases, you know, to put your balls. Mm. The new is, that, is that crazy? Like, but that's, that's the kind of thing. It's like, yeah, it was a good idea to sell design balls. And a lot of people would have rode off into the sunset with that. But then, you know, you got to think about, where, well, where the cases, like, wow, like, and we developed the whole case line. Well, yeah, because b- beside, you know, college and pro football moments and baseball and what have you, there's youth league, there's high school, there's local, you know, somebody has a, you know, has a rec league 40 and over yeah. game, they keep the ball, now they got a case to put yeah. it in. Yeah, it makes the, the idea that people want to hang on and, you know, have a memory, I think, of course. Is, is not novel, but how you play that. Tell out. me about the new book now, Living on Purpose, stories about faith, fortune, and fitness that will lead you to an extraordinary life. Uh, living on purpose. Explain the theory behind that, because I already like where I believe it is going. You know, I've been, I've been first of all, I've been loving this book more than the other two, mainly because I, I just think it'd be such a big help. I think everybody wants to be more successful. You want to sell more. You want to do more. And most people are thinking about how they could sell and do more, but they're not thinking about all the things you need to do in order to do it. So, you know, when I sold my company back in 2000, I get to the top of the ladder and I realize, man, 
that ground underneath my ladder is awfully wobbly. And there's nothing like climbing up the ladder, but then when you realize the ground underneath you ain't good and that ladder starts wobbling, mm. you start to worry. And that, that, that ground underneath you is your family, it's your health, it's your time management, it's, you know, you're, you're going 100,000 miles an hour, but what are you really doing? So what I did is, what every smart kid from Brooklyn would do is I went to all these people, because I'd gone to everyone to learn how to sell collectibles, sports marketing. I went to all these people, and I created, a, I created a blog and a pod, and I started interviewing the most smartest people in all these other pillars. Mm-hmm. Health, sex, John Gray, how can I have better sex with my wife, the sleep doctor, how can I sleep better? All the things that I knew if I slept better, if I was better with my wife, if I was a better parent, it would definitely make me better in the office. And I got all that advice for free because I was interviewing them for my pod blog, and they would come in. I'd spend a day with them, two days with them, go to a ball game. And I just felt like I needed to share all this info that helped me get off that ladder and firm up that rose underneath my ladder. And I wanted to share it because I think a lot of people are just selling and have some success. They start getting a little wobbly. Their health's not right, or they haven't been able to balance things out. And I just thought it was a good book to really explain all the stuff I learned about how to do more good, and by doing all that good for myself and for others, enable me to also, as a byproduct, do well. So, so I've always known you in the in the time that I know you to be very philanthropic, to be very giving in nature. Uh, speak to me specifically about how faith plays a role in this. Is that uh, you know what what does the faith part mean to you? Well, I mean, I, I think it's really important that you believe that what you that whatever it is you're doing, the success you've had, that there's, there's something much bigger than that. I mean, I think it's important. I think faith is something that you have to believe in that you not, not can't necessarily see and touch. And when you get into the grind of selling, everything's about the numbers and the reoccurring sale and the follow-up and growing your numbers. But if you can incorporate some faith into that, into the belief that when you do good, that when you care about your customer more than not only just writing a ticket, which is important. The money grab, I love the money grab. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I still love making a dollar. I'd race you, Steve, I'd race you right down the street right now for a quarter. And I'm not going to lie. I would enjoy taking that quarter from you. I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to feel one iota bad. But I'd like to take the quarter and make it into 50 cents. And by, I think that people are confused. I think that, I think people look at helping others as a burden. And I look at it as an opportunity. And it certainly leads you to the ultimate joy uh, in every sense of the word. So, the, you know, all the stuff that I like to do for charity and helping others has been just incre- incredible level of joy and opportunity because you get close with people and, and situations and more ideas pop up and different opportunities come up because people like dealing with people that are generous, that are kind, mm-hmm. and not everything comes down to the buck. You know, the, so, the, I- you know, I think there's a mixture of all this, you know, I mean, uh, but if you can put that kind of mixture into your game, you're going to go a lot past success and move into this category of significance. And once you blow past significance, now you start looking at extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And that was like what was always interesting to me as a kid. Like I didn't really just want to be successful, even though I was poor, and I definitely wanted to make some money. And a lot of the things I've done here was so I could have a car, maybe a house. But I always wanted to be extraordinary. I wanted to make the industry that I decided to go into better than I found it. I wanted to be the best that ever was in this small business or whatever business I decided to go into. I didn't want to just be successful and make a few bucks. You wanted to be extraordinary. Well, who, yeah, I wanted to be extraordinary. Who or what made you want to be extraordinary? Because you talk to rock stars and they say, well, I, I watched you know, the Beatles on uh, Ed Sullivan and I knew that I wanted to do that. Who made you, what made you 
uh, decide, forget success, I want extraordinary? I think it was my mom. Like, you know, we lived in an upper, upper middle class neighborhood. We were the poorest family in that neighborhood. And she would always point out to these people, said, look how well this guy's doing. But he's spineless. He's not going all the way. He's playing the short game. He could do so much better, and his business mm. would blow up. Look at him. He's almost like a failure to me. I'm like, Mom, that guy's got a huge house. He's making a lot of money, but he could be killing it. Mm. And that's a failure to me. I mean, a missed opportunity given the potential and the talent that that situation has, and you miss it, you should be embarrassed. Wow. I'm like, wow. I said, Mom, I'm only seven. I'm, I'm trying to get my arms around this. <laughs> But, you know, she was, like, relentless about pointing that kind of thing out to me. You know, and and pointing that stuff out to me, literally since I was seven, eight years old, and as we go into different businesses and walked around the neighborhood, she would show me different levels of success. Like, she would say, look at that person. Incredibly rich. Look how much money they have. Shitty father. Horrible husband. How rich is he when his kids are all messed up like that? Wow. So remember this. doesn't matter how much money you have. You're not going to be that successful when all your kids are going crazy and they hate you. So your mom kind of taught you. You want to keep an eye on being a good parent and a good father because regardless of the amount of money you have, you're not going to be happy if your kids are unhappy. And your mother kind of taught you that good enough wasn't good enough. And it's important important to do a lot of good, not concentrate just on doing well. Mm -hmm. And doing good is a a byproduct that will be doing well. And be kind and do things that are not just bottom line related. And it's the long game. Uh, according to the book, Living yeah. on Purpose, three pillars. Steve, pillar number two that we have is fortune. Dreaming big, following through. It sounds like it's right on the heels of where we've been talking, and that is as well as you believe you're doing or as successful as you are in whatever the listeners to this podcast are doing, you're telling them that there's even more. Take it a step further. There's no question. I mean, I talk a lot about in the fortune section about um, time management, but back to the dream big, sample small, fail quick. And I know you're going to steal this line from me, and you can. Please do. <laughs> All right. Do not, get, do not go SOS stuck on stupid. Just because oh, you dreamt big doesn't, oh, mean, yeah, it it doesn't mean that you got a home run. <laughs> and, you know, the problem is we grow up in a world that's like, be resilient, be tough, never give up. I mean, if I read another card that says never give up. No, no, you should give up. When you have a horrible idea that sucks, <laughs> you should give up. You really should. Yeah. And the problem is, I can't believe how many people I see that because they had a dream and an idea and a feeling that all of a sudden that should work. Sometimes that client is just not the right client for you. Move on and get to another client. Do not go SOS and do not be stuck on stupid. So what I say is, dream big, but sample it. If you're such a genius, if you're so much on the right track, sample it and see what the result is because you can't manage what you can't measure. And by the way, don't be afraid to fail quick. It's okay. I, listen, I'm, I'm, I fail more than anybody you can imagine. The objective is you want to win a lot more than you fail, and you want to learn from what you fail, obviously. So, so one of the cool things I take away from every time I'm with you, every time I hear you, when I read all of your books, is that you're one of the people who has done it, and you've, you're just sending the elevator back down. There's a lot of people writing books that haven't actually done it. They talking i'm doing it right now matter of fact i had to get off a phone call just trying to make a quarter to get to do this and i don't want to lose the momentum which is why you know it's like you're right there's a lot of people out there i'm not sure when the last time they did anything let alone something but i love the fact that i want to translate to especially some of the younger kids and some of the people that have big dreams and some of them just need some tactical 
some strategic advice of just, you know, technical stuff. A lot of the stuff that you teach in your book, which I love, which is such a basic, simple, but right-to-the-point book, which we can never affect. I mean, the brilliance is in the basics. So I love taking what I'm doing. I always have kids come in here and will shadow me, and that's the point of my blog and everything. And, you know, it's a joy anyway to share all this and have fun with it and see kids run with your ideas and making it to their own and have some success. It's, it's a great joy to watch it, frankly. I enjoy it. So I'm sending the elevator back down, but I, I'm watching, and there's a lot of elevators going up and down, and I love it. It's fun. Pillar number three, Living on Purpose. Yeah. It's Brandon Steiner, his new book, Fitness, Making Positive Lifestyle Changes. Steve, you're a big fan of fitness. You do the boxing. You're in the gym. You're all ripped up. You're all swole. Fitness is something that you guys agree upon. Well, well actually, um, you know, we share a mutual friend, our friend, uh, our friend Dana Cavalea, um, giving him uh-huh. a, a shout out. But you know, when we when I met with Brandon, you know, he, he was he's physically in good shape. You talk about a bull. I mean, you know, obviously we're we're doing this on the radio, but you know, yeah. I'm not getting anywhere near the ring with you, my friend. <laughs> Well, what's funny is I went to a nutritionist because I was feeling so horribly, and he told me I was obese. Nobody looks in the mirror and says, listen, you're grand, you're not 21 anymore, but you, you, your body fat, and you're not healthy, like, and, and you, you need to do something about it. Um, I think, you know, you cannot work bad nutrition, and that's my, the most important message. There's many messages in there that I've got from all these different fitness and health gurus that are just great snackable content, not snackable as... Not, not that you know. I don't want anybody snacking any more than they should be. But, right. and I, I just think it's so important. I mean, not wait till the end of the quarter. Let me just make this month. Then I'll go home and exercise and I'll eat right. Mm. After this one more trip, then I'll start a diet. And I look at it like this: there are twenty-eight meals in a week. For example, you're not winning every day, every meal. But if I can go twenty-two and six, that wins me a World Series. That's playing seven hundred baseball. I have never I heard anybody put it six. that way. That's brilliant. That is so I'm going to go 22-6. and six. I want to play championship-level diet. And I go 22-6. and six. I'm feeling good about myself. I'm going to have some moments. I may grab a little dessert. I may grab a little of this. But 22 out of the 28, I'm trying to eat clean and as almost as perfect as I can. And it's important because, again, if you do good, most people say, well, just tomorrow. I'm like, you mean to tell me if you eat eating clean, exercising regularly, you would be more productive and be able to even make more sales, more calls, be much more clear, do more? Of course you can. It's insane. I always thought I didn't have time to work out. I was like so stupid. I, I smacked myself on the side of the head. I've been working out every day for the last four years, like literally 360 days a year. I take a few days off. And I, I, I've never been able to do more and work less. You, you know, I think you're right. I mean, for me, when I wrote the book, it was just basically sharing my process of how to make myself feel good being in the sales game. And a lot of that is what I eat and how I work out. When I work out, I come out of the gym feeling great. I'm firing on all cylinders. And I notice it especially when I don't. I mean, my rules are meant to be, okay, if I'm not getting the results I want, you know, and I think the same thing here. And, you know, when you lay it out in a simple, easily to digest, you know, method, I mean, these are three basic principles. They parallel mine, but you can never hear it enough. And the different times you hear from different people who you look at and admire and respect who actually do it, then all of a sudden, boom, maybe the bell goes off and you do have one person who says, okay, you know, I heard the same thing from five other people, but now I heard it from Brandon and and I'm going to do that. So I think... 
you know, from a legacy standpoint, putting this kind of content in the world and taking the time to, you know, create it and share it is really to be applauded. And I'm, I'm grateful for, for, you know, what you've done. And this is a, this is a really, really good book. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. And I'll say this. You can't afford not to take your health, which will lead you to great wealth, seriously. You just can't afford not to. I mean, it's everything if you want to keep doing what you're doing for a long period of time. What I was worried is I told a bunch of my friends, I said, don't buy my book and don't read it. Okay, first of all, buy three. One for you, one for a friend, one for somebody you know needs it. And I said, don't, do not read this book. Study it. Because you are not only sprinting in the wrong direction, but you're sprinting in the wrong direction enthusiastically with no red light in sight. And at some point, when that red light hits you, you're going to be done. I'm going to, I want to be done when I decide I want to be done. Mm. And in order to do that to be effective, especially as you get a little older, you, you, you know, the amount of sleep and how you eat and exercise is critical. I never liked exercising. I never liked lifting weights. I'm not going to lie. I always played a lot of basketball and everything else. But you know something? I made exercise my favorite thing. And I, here's my message I want to share with you is make your most important thing. By the way, your most important thing has to be your most important thing. So you've got to decide if your health or let's say your fitness is the most important thing, then it's got to be the most important thing. Don't make excuses. But also make it your favorite thing to do. So I, I have my favorite clothing, favorite gym shoes, like 20 pairs of gym shoes. I got my favorite shorts. I collect basketball shorts that I wear. I have over 200 pairs. <laughs> my favorite T-shirts. I got all my ma- music manicured, my best playlist, kick butt stereo system in my exercise room, phenomenal flat screen with all my favorite TV shows and movies. I can't wait to go down in the morning, listen to my music, or watch a TV show, wear my favorite stuff. So now my most important thing becomes my favorite thing, and I can't wait to go down to the gym and work out. So I'm wearing my cool stuff, I'm listening to my cool stuff, I'm watching my cool stuff, and I'm, I'm feeling good. Make your most important thing your favorite thing. So, so there's a lesson there that I try and teach everybody, let alone just, you know, just not just salespeople, but your environment matters. You know, when I was a kid and I bought, you know, Clyde Puma sneakers, I played better. Mm. You know, when I put on, you know, Pete Maravich sloppy socks, man, I was better. It made me feel good. So I'm the same way, man. I I just, you know, I look for a place that makes me feel good. And in life, if you're in a place that you don't feel good, hey, listen, I walked into a restaurant the other day and the vibe in the restaurant was bad. Mm -hmm. I boogied. Right. I said to Michelle, let's get out of here. This place doesn't work for me. That's what you've just announced to everybody. Make it what makes you feel good. Put the elements, create yeah. the, the recipe for success is your environment. And, and so I loved hearing that yeah. you, you know, had passion. You know what's great? If there's an article, there's an article on ESPN about six months ago. LeBron spent a million five on his body. Yep. And I, I almost fell off my chair. I was reading this article. And I, I said, you know, I know we all can't afford a million five on our, on our, on our body. but. Here. We're all, but, but relatively speaking, he wanted to play on the level he'd been playing on. He had to make an investment in him. Mm-hmm. If you want to play on the level you're playing on, put it in perspective. <laughs> if you're spending zero on your body, that's very foolish. You know what I mean? You need to get some physical therapy, some massage. Maybe you get a trainer once or twice a month just to get you going. I mean, you have to spend money on you, invest in you. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and it'll pay huge dividends. And so, meanwhile, LeBron invests a million five, and he plays every game last year, 
all the way through the finals and never gets hurt. Yeah, you, you tell know, me. Yeah, Magic Johnson. And they get the $160 million contract. Ma- Magic Johnson just was, you know, they just had a conversation about they thought LeBron was playing too much. Mm-hmm. And LeBron commented publicly and said, I've trained myself to play every game. Right. I got plenty of time to take off. What's everybody panicking about? I want to play the game. I want to play every minute I can. So, you know, that correlation yeah. right there fits yep. right into your. You but know, most people are thinking, your... I want to work less. If I could just make more, I want to cut my hours down. Like, why? Because you're not feeling good. If you're in the best physical and mental health you could be in, you're not worrying about the hours you're working. There's no shot clock. There's you no feel great. You, there's no shot clock in my, in my game. I'm not looking. Well, what time I can leave today? If you got a shot clock in your office, do me a favor. Don't leave your office. Jump out the window. Yeah. <laughs> really. Just, just jump just, now. Just jump out the window now. The, the great paradox in all this, the great irony in all this, is that the people that are listening now, the people that read these books, are the ones that say, oh, it's easy for Brandon to say, I don't have time to work out. I'm too busy working. What Brandon's trying to tell you is, if you're not exercising, working out, that's why you're working as you are and not getting where you want to be. Because first things first, make the most important thing Love it. your favorite thing. Yeah. Right, Brandon? And, that's and make it. your most important thing the most important thing. And by the way, everyone has a story. The problem is most of our stories ain't true. You telling yourself you don't have time to work out is a story that just ain't true. Wake up a little earlier, go to sleep a little sooner. Maybe you don't watch all that stupid, ridiculous TV or watch one stupid less game and wake up an hour early and figure out how to go get 45 minutes of rigorous cardio in. Everybody and anybody could do it, and their dividends are huge. And this book really is about, as it says on the title, uh, lead you to an extraordinary life. You're trying to help folks find their own path to not just good enough, but they're taking a walk through the neighborhood with you and your mom. You're seven years old, and she's saying they could do better. There's an extraordinary life ahead. That's what this is about. I tried. I tried to outlay the book where at least if you're stuck, where you've done only so much, or if you reach success but you're not going to significance or extraordinary, I've tried to ask a whole series of questions. Why? What's holding you back? But the reality is, I mean, I don't want to get crazy here. I didn't, the book is not a do this, do that book. Mm-hmm. It's what I did. It's how I worked out of this problem. I was very transparent in my failures. I was very honest about all the stuff that I really didn't think I was good enough at or doing well enough and how I improved. And how I just, I've got a favorite line in my office that just says, beat yesterday. Just beat yesterday. Just today, learn a little something, do a little bit more, and be, be a better person today than you were yesterday. And I picked up that mantra like 20 years ago, and I'm feeling good 20 years later. I, I, you know, every, that's a lot of days I just got a little better today than yesterday. And that's kind of the mantra of the book. I don't tell you what to do in the book. I, I take you through my journey of all the downs and the ugly side of some success that I'm not even that proud of. But we all go through it, and I kind of explain to you how I got out of that. Like, you're in the doghouse. Don't buy your wife a dozen roses. Buy her one rose 12 times. Mm. Like, that's a great John Gray tip, you know, about, you know, relationship with your wife. Because if you're good with your wife, I mean, you're good. You're good. You're good with you know, your leave life. Leave your cell phone that's on Happy on wife, happy life. And that is Yeah, sure. leave your cell phone on on date night. Don't take your cell phone all the time with you. Mm. I know it's hard for a lot of people, but actually just leave it home and tell your wife, Honey, I want to concentrate on you and listen, so I'm not going to take my phone. You got the phone in case the kids need anything? So I'm just going to concentrate on us. I want to catch up with you tonight. Is that okay? And watch how your night goes. You know, it's fascinating. <laughs> I, I look on LinkedIn, and everybody's uh, uh, this kind of coach and this kind of speaker and this kind yep. of trainer. 
and they're not people who have designed their own roadmap. With you, that's a very different story. I know you. I've seen you. You walk the walk, and it's fabulous, man, and I really, really appreciate you sharing it with us. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm so excited about this and, you know, the, the response I've gotten from the books. The blog has been amazing. Like, But this book's different because, you know, I'm a sports guy, and I don't know if people are going to see this book coming, but I, I really try to share some of the different perspectives that, that I've gone through with a little success or trying to get success and how I figured out how to get that, how I figured out and broke it down simply so anybody could put it in play. Living on Purpose, stories about faith, fortune, and fitness that will lead you to an extraordinary life. Brandon Steiner, thank you once again. Where, where the can phone? they get the book? Where, where, yeah, the, the book's available. Oh, Brand, you're gonna, yeah, Amazon or BrandonSteiner.com if you want to get it autographed or that kind of thing. Brandon Steiner, you can always get all kinds of stuff. And By the way, you, you may want to download, you may want to go to Brandon Steiner, you guys. I know you need a little help in selling techniques and stuff. I know you guys are trying to grow a little bit. <laughs> yep. So you may want, if you go on BrandonSteiner.com, you get these 22 laws of negotiating and, and to help you sell. Ooh. I'd be curious your feedback on that. So I put a lot of love and time, and I give that to free the people that register. But it's, even my daughter called me and said that. That was really good. Who, who like in 27 years, hasn't said something like that to me. So that, I like, take that seriously. I am She's on like, the wow, that was really good. I, I like that. I'm on a plane to Denver tomorrow. I will download it, and I will have uh, your feedback by tomorrow end of business. Amen. I'm Amen. looking for additions. I'll add on for you and, and give you the props and credit. You're the man. Listen, we know you're, <laughs> you're the on the, we know you're on the phone making a quarter. You've been dying the last 29 minutes to turn it into 50 cents. So we're gonna let you go ahead and do. Yeah, I, I gotta go make some money, man. I gotta go do some money grabbing. You keep I'll see doing. You guys. What you Have do, a good man. day, man. Stay keep on the going, ball. man. You keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate, appreciate you guys. Thank you, you very it. much, Brandon Steiner, living on purpose. His new book, and he said he gonna. He said he was on the phone, and he was try, trying to make a quarter, and he can't wait to get back and, and turn into fifty cents because good enough isn't good enough. You know, he's one he of the, he's one of those guys that he's reached plateaus. He's highly, highly recognized mm-hmm. um, in the sports circles, obviously, in but in New York, and, and his friends are serious people, the mm-hmm. Derek Jeters and you know A Rods, and you know certainly the you know New York Giants, you know certainly in the New York market. And thrilled that he's a friend of mine, thrilled that he put a piece of great content into the world, and I'm happy that you and I get to share it uh, with our audience. Amen. The book available and those 22 tips, as he mentioned, at BrandonSteiner.com on negotiation. Everyone can use tools on negotiation, whether you're arguing with your kids about the bedtime or your boss over a raise or where you're going to eat with the old lady. Everybody can benefit from knowing how to negotiate. You know what? Good stuff is good stuff. Amen. Tell the main us something. thing is the main thing. The, the, what? <laughs> what did you say? The, the most important thing is the Make most the important. most important thing the most important thing. Cool, I love it's it. as simple as recognizing oh, what is most important. You know, my, my dad, God rest his soul, would always say, your health is what matters most. And we're like, yeah, 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 whatever. Your health matters. You have the man most. And then he got sick and he passed on his 46th birthday. Oh, and it was like, damn it, he was right the whole time. Mm. He was right. But I'm saying, what Brandon's telling you is, whatever the most important thing is, make sure you treat it as such. Don't be like, that's the most important thing, but not live it. You got to live the truth of what matters most. Absolutely. The totally. ladder, he's at the top of the ladder, but if the ground is shaky beneath, the top of the ladder don't matter because you're tumbling down. Plus, he had some real kernels, man. The SOS thing was... Uh... You know, uh, stuck on stupid. Stuck on stupid. Oh, that's brilliant. Like man. Chris Rock would always say, <laughs> don't fall in love with a joke. Don't fall in love Move with a joke. On. And Brandon said the same right. thing. If something's not working, move on. I don't care if it was your dream or your baby. Or you got to move on. You got to know when to tap out. It, this is not. How many people go poor because, oh, they, they guessed at a restaurant concept. Right. And they don't want to give up really and admit crazy. they failed. Well, you know, there's an old expression, cut your losses. doesn't mean get back to even. It means instead of losing 500000 quit right now at minus three, 350 
And you know what? This word that's really sexy in the vocabulary now is called pivot. Take what you've done, pivot it into a place where there's opportunity. Certainly the guy on the, on the Dolphins yesterday pivoted right to the end zone. Kenyon Drake pivoted to the end zone indeed. Tell us something good, Steve, as we wrap up number 48 of this podcast. There's something good this weekend. So there, there's so much that's great in my life and that's happening, but uh, a milestone. I give, I give, I give. And I just got asked to sit on the board of uh, uh, Cystic Fibrosis of Palm Beach. Oh, that's great. And so I've accepted that. I'm going to be working with Suzanne Malamala, mm-hmm. whose husband used to play for the Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, their daughter has Cystic CF. Fibrosis. Yep. And um, I asked her why she does what she does. And she said to me, I want to keep my daughter alive. Yeah. And so I'm on the boat. I'm mm. in and I'm doing it with her. And they're getting the full barrel from me. So, uh, you know, rule 27 is give to get. I'm going to give as much as I can. I'm going to put so many people in touch with uh, curing this horrible disease that affects kids. And, uh, you know, certainly it's famous for Boomer Esiason, right. who I did work with years ago. But uh, we're and bringing Gunner. it here. Man. Gunner. And Gunner. Gunner, Gunner is alive and well. Unbelievable. And, and doing, I, I heard him do something on a national call for, for Cystic, and it's crazy. Right. I knew him. You know, when, when he's, he's a, a baby. Kid. Yeah, man, crazy. So uh, it's all good. Number 48 is done. Listen, the book, Living on Purpose, you can get it at brandonstone.com at Amazon. Your book, Confessions of a Sales Salesman, the 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders. Again, hardcover, paperback, and audio download. Best way to go about that is best way to get it, noodleberg.com. Noodleberg.com. And yes, that's my real name. And indeed it is. <laughs> uh, let's try for 49. We're almost there. I like let's 49. And then 50 is bangs, and we're having champagne and Can't caviar. Can't wait. A party with all the guests together. Yeah, Steve Noodleberg, Josh Cohen saying thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. So long, everybody.